Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. My name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we're starting a brand new series that I'm really excited about for all of us. But before we get into that, let me just say something about last week. So if you were here last week, I gave a message on current events that are some things that are happening in our world and happening even in our own nation. And more importantly of what's happening around us, we were talking last week about what God wants us to do, how God wants us to interact with our world. And we learned that God wants us to engage our world the way that he has engaged us. God doesn't want us to withdraw from our world. God doesn't want us throwing stones at our world and getting angry at our world. God wants us to step towards our world and learn how to be the light for our world. And uh, you know, we learned this really big thing last week that Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So if you're a Christ follower, you are the light of the world. And God expects that you and I go out into our world. We, we go to work, we go, we go out to our schools, we, we go into our neighborhoods and we shine the light of Jesus so that others can see. And one of the coolest things happened last week at the end of our service. So um, we had never done what we did last week with getting everybody together for prayer. And I asked you to get in groups of two to three to four people and pray out loud. And I know there are a few people ready to pass out. And there was a lot of sweat beads coming off of heads. And you know, people were like, are you kidding me? Um, but there have been some really cool things that have happened in the life of Epic. And I'd say that was one of them. Uh, when I gave you that challenge and asked you to do that, you did that so incredibly well. And you stepped beyond your comfort zone. You know, think about like how um, intimidating it can be to pray and then pray in front of people you don't know. And you, you did that last week extremely well. And so I just wanna start this morning by saying, I'm very proud of you as a church family. Um, and I hope that this is something that we're able to continue to do. And I hope that it's you know, not the beginning, but it's a continuation of us stepping beyond our comfort zone to do things that maybe we wouldn't normally do so that we can watch God do things that he does when we step out on faith. So um, prayerfully, that'll just be the continuation of, of what we're doing with that. So what I wanna do this morning, is I just wanna pause for a quick prayer and then we'll dive into our new series. So join me in prayer. God, I, I just thank you so much for the, the truth that you've given us. Lord, that we have your written word for us to read and study and learn from. And from that, we learned again last week, Lord, that, that Jesus, you called us the light of the world. And we know that scripture teaches Jesus, you are the light of the world. And then you've passed that light on to us and you ask us to go into all the world. You didn't ask us to withdraw from the world. You didn't ask us to get angry at the world and, and throw stones at the world. You asked us to go into the world and shine the light of Jesus so that people living in spiritual darkness can see the light, and you are the light. Uh, so God, I thank you for that in incredible privilege and honor that, that we have to do that on a regular basis. And I pray that you would continue to teach us how to be the light at home, how to be the light at school, and how to be the light at work and in our community. 
And Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us as we transition to this new series that we're gonna do. Lord, help us to to understand this incredible truth that you have for us. Lord, we're gonna talk about something that affects all of our lives and it's something that that most of us daydream about and and yet you've got this incredible truth that you want us to understand on this incredibly important subject. So Lord, we are here as students. Open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts and speak to us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So uh, as we transition into today's message, I want you to daydream with me for just a moment, okay? So let's imagine that you don't have to go to work whenever you have to go to work next. So let's say that's tomorrow. Let's say that's maybe today or whenever that is. Let's just say that you don't have to go to work. And the reason that you don't have to go to work is because you have come into a large amount of money, okay? Don't worry, you didn't rob a bank or anything. Um, Maybe a coworker bought you a lottery ticket and for your birthday, like you scratched it off, you won millions. Maybe you got this big inheritance. Maybe your, your invention, that thing that you always wanted to invent and get out there like the next greatest thing since the Snuggie or Chia Pet, like whatever it was, like, like it hit, it took off. And like you have made millions, maybe upon billions. And so you don't have to go to work tomorrow. Like how cool would that be? Imagine now you can take that vacation you've always dreamed about. You know, that that trip to Hawaii, that trip to Alaska, that hunting trip to New Zealand. So maybe that's not yours and and maybe it's not my wife's, uh, you know, dream vacation, but it, you know, be one of mine. That'd be fantastic. Imagine after that vacation, you get home and you get the credit card bill. Imagine not having a heart attack when you see all the zeros that, that you have to pay in your next payment because you have more than enough resources to pay that credit card bill. Imagine being able to buy your dream home. It, it, it's, it's not that one that's the fixer-upper because it's already fixer-uppered. Like, like it's done, like it's awesome. And it has everything you need, like it's fully furnished. All you have to do is put your new clothes in the drawer. That's all you have to do. Show up and and unpack. Imagine that you are now able to buy your dream car. You know that 1962 red Corvette? You know that car? Like with the, the, the scoop in the side and it's the replica and it's got the white painted in there. Okay, so again, maybe that's not your dream car. Maybe that's my dream car. But just imagine that you can walk onto any car lot in the world and you can just pick whatever car you want. I'll take one of those and I'll take one of those in my favorite color, please. Have it delivered tomorrow. How fantastic would that be? Is anybody with me? You still tracking? All right, we got one person. Matt's still with me. All right, so imagine how amazing that would feel if that was your experience, if that was your new reality. So we're starting a new series today called Live Rich. And it's based upon this dream that most of us have. You think about the American dream. We've got this dream and it involves us getting that dream job so that we can uh, build that dream bank account and buy that dream house and drive that dream car and retire early and make all of our dreams come true somewhere, either on the golf course or on the beach or like wherever you wanna make your dreams come true in your, your final days. So that's something that most of us dream about. 
You think about all the work that we put into life and, and hope that maybe you know, this promotion or that promotion or this opportunity or that opportunity or that job or, or this time I'm scratch off the, the lottery ticket. Maybe this time something's gonna happen. And you know, so many of us dream about becoming rich. And here's the interesting thing when it comes to God. God isn't bothered by us having wealth. God isn't bothered by us having money. God isn't bothered by us having stuff. Um, in fact, Jesus taught more about money and the, the management of money than he did about heaven and hell. And the reason I think he did that was because he knew that money would touch all of our lives. And he knew that, that there would be a desire in us to have an, a, a more wealth and accumulate that wealth. And he knew that we would need lots of help in order to learn how to navigate the wealth that we have and the wealth that we wanna have. So here's the deal. God isn't bothered by us having wealth. God isn't bothered by us being rich. What God wants is us for, for us to learn how to live rich. That's a different thing. Living rich and being rich are two different things. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna start our exploration in the book of Timothy. So 1 Timothy. If you have a Bible with you, feel free to flip over to, to Timothy. Um, if you have a smartphone with you and it's got a Bible app on there, feel free to, to bring that up. If you have a dumb phone and you can't get it to, you know, and to bring up you know, anything, then feel free to use the person next to you, use their smartphone or their Bible. And we've got verses that are gonna come up on the screen for those of you who need that. Now, if you are new to the Bible, uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy is a letter. So we, we call the, the Bible, it's broken up into what we call books or really letters, especially in the New Testament part of the Bible. So it's, this 1 Timothy is a letter written by a guy by the name of Paul. And he is writing this letter to a young pastor named Timothy. Now, if you don't know Paul, Paul was a guy around Jesus' time and he hated Jesus. There's a point that he wanted to do anything and everything he could to kill anybody who wanted to follow Jesus. And so he did everything that he could to, to make that possible. And then one day he had this life-changing encounter with Jesus. And in that moment, he went from being a Jesus hater to a Jesus follower. And, you know, I look at the life of Paul and I use that as an example for any of us. If you know someone and you would say, that person will never believe in Jesus. Like, I would say, never say that because people said that about Paul. And there's always hope for anybody to have a life-changing encounter with Jesus the way that Paul did. So Paul was used to radically transform the world and spread Christianity around the world. He wrote most of the New Testament part of the Bible and he went around planting churches. One of the churches he planted was in a city called Ephesus and the pastor of that church was this young guy named Timothy. Now, Timothy is a young pastor. He had to navigate some complexities in this new church and in this new community, and he wasn't exactly sure how to navigate all these things. So Paul wrote this letter explaining, here's how you handle this situation. Here's how you handle this situation. Here's how you handle this situation. So keep that in mind as we get to verse 17, 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 17. This will be the primary verse that we're in today. So he says, Timothy... Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. So that's gonna be our passage that we're gonna look at. Now, the first question that I have is, 
Who was Paul talking about? And you can participate in this part. Rich people, okay? So I don't know what your Bible reading experience is like, but when I read the Bible and I read verses like that, I go, oh, Paul's not talking about me. He's not talking about me because I'm certainly not a rich person. And you might read that and feel the same way. You may go like, oh, Paul's talking about somebody else. He's talking about someone who makes a whole lot more money than you do. That's my experience when I read that. Like Paul's either talking about somebody whose name is rich and my father-in-law, his name is rich. So either Paul's talking about rich or he's talking about somebody who makes a lot more money than I make, but he's certainly not talking to me. Now, I think we've got to ask the question, I, how much money do you have to make to, to, to get into this category that Paul is talking uh, specifically to? Like, what's the group? And how do you get into that group? So I, I did some research and I looked up uh, some, some studies on this. And there was a study done not long ago by Gallup Polls. And they did this survey asking people, how much money does someone have to have in order to be labeled rich? And here's what they said. They said, if someone makes $150,000 a year or more, then in their mind, that's a rich person. Now, those of us who make less than $150,000 a year, what do we say? Absolutely, that's rich. That's great. Man, I'd love to, to be in that category. Here's the interesting thing. They surveyed those people that made more than $150,000 a year, and they asked them the same question. And they said, it's not me, it's somebody else. It's somebody who makes way more money than I make, but I'm not that rich person. And then CNBC in 2013 asked some financial experts the same question. Basically, how much money do you have to have in order to be labeled rich in our, our culture, in our world? And here's their answer. They said, if you have $5 million in assets and you have $1 million in cold hard cash, you would be considered rich. Now, what do most of us think? That's rich. Wow. Yes, that is rich. Man, that would be fantastic. And I don't know what you think when you, when you hear that, um, but there are moments that, that I think, you know what? I'm never gonna get there. I get a little discouraged. It's never gonna be possible for me to be in that category. And Paul's never gonna be talking about me because I will never be rich. Now, if you feel that way and you're a little bit discouraged this morning, I have some really exciting news, okay? So I did some more research and I found a couple of studies that said that if you make over $34,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world, not just the United States, but in the world. Isn't that amazing? I kind of thought that would be your response. You know, I kind of thought that nobody would jump up and go, man, I got up this morning and I thought I was so discouraged about my income. I came to church, found out if I made over $34,000 a year, I'm rich. Nobody's going, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. Like, why don't we feel that way? Because none of us feel rich. Again, rich is the guy with the name or the guy who makes way more money than we do. It's not us. But again, look at the context of what Paul is saying and look at like around the world when you understand that most of us in this room are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world, guess who Paul's talking to? Us. Don't point at the person next to you. 
Like it's us. Again, if, if you make over $34,000 a year, Paul is talking to us this morning. So just understand that when we read this passage, Paul's talking to all of us or most of us. Then Paul went on and he said this. Next thing he said was, Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. The NIV version of the Bible says, command those who who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Now, let me explain something that that Paul's talking about there because it can be a little bit confusing. But back in Paul's day, when somebody had stuff, they had money, they had power, they had position, they had talent, they had whatever, and they had more than somebody else, they would treat people poorly who had less than they did. Like, I know, it's the craziest thing ever. Like, can you imagine that happening today? Like, no, we, we can't imagine that happening today. And if you're new with us, um, I'm a little sarcastic, so hopefully you can tell that, um, because that happens all the time. That happens every day in our world and in our culture when people have more of stuff and then more of power, position, uh, accumulation of anything, talent. Often they're tempted to believe in some way that they are better than other people. It's a, a temptation that, that all of us face. And this is a really stupid way this has happened in, in my life, has happened in my life. So when I was in the first grade, my family lived in Michigan. And we lived in this big apartment building. It was it was massive building. We lived on the third uh, story of that building. And this property that the apartment was on had all these trees all around the property. And these trees would drop thousands upon thousands of acorns. So my friends and I had this brilliant idea one day that we were going to go out and collect acorns. So we got these bags. I got a a, a paper bag, uh, like a grocery bag, and we went out and started collecting all these acorns. And um, I don't know why, but my friends got bored and they left. Like they went home to like do some, play a game or something. Like, I don't know. Like, 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 can you imagine like not wanting to collect acorns? Like the most fun thing you could ever imagine to do. Okay. So I'm being sarcastic. Thanks for your, your little bit of laughter there. So I am gathering these acorns all by myself and I get this huge bag of acorns. Like it's mounded at the top and I walk up three flights of stairs with all these acorns and I knock on the front door and my mom comes to the door and she's like, what in the world are you bringing into my house? I said, mom, look what I got. So I brought it in, I set it on the table and I stood back with just this you know, glow of pride in, in what I had accomplished. I had collected all these acorns by myself. And I started to think about the other poor kids in my building. Like they didn't have the acorns that I had. Like they, they didn't have, like, like here I am, I'm, I'm new to the acorn industry. And I've, I've accumulated this wealth. Like I'm on the ground floor and I have like all the stock. Like, I don't think there's any more acorns out there. I felt a little bit like this guy. So like I have all these acorns and I'm just so proud. And uh, next thought was, was this. Silly is like the silliest thought ever, but it was in some way, I'm a little better than they are. I'm a little better than my friends. Why? because I have more acorns than they do. All right, very silly um, illustration. But aren't we tempted to think that way when we have more of something? And there's this, just this subtle temptation 
that says maybe we think we're a little bit better than somebody else because maybe we live in a nicer house. Maybe we wear nicer clothes. Maybe we eat at nicer restaurants. Maybe we drive a nicer car. Like maybe there's this just little bit of pride in us as we look at people around us that, that don't have as much. Now, you might say, ah, that's not really my problem. Like, I, I don't battle with that. And, and if you don't, great. I, I hope that you don't. Um, but I think things like this can lay subtly in our hearts. I mean, it can happen in a way that we don't even really know that it's happening because we don't go around and talk about it. It's just something that happens inside of us. And so I want you to um, ask yourself a few questions about something I'm going to switch the, the conversation a little bit. How do you feel when someone at work gets the promotion that you thought you were going to get? Like, how do you feel? Like, you just knew. You're the right person for it. And, and the boss just doesn't know about this other person. The boss doesn't know how manipulative they are. The boss doesn't know. They're just a brown noser and just going to say whatever the boss wants to say. I mean, the boss just really doesn't have the inside scoop. How do you feel when that person gets promoted over the job that you wanted? How do you feel when somebody else starts dating that guy or that girl that you had your dreams set on? How do you feel when something really great happens for somebody else that's close to you? Are you super excited for them? Or do you find yourself getting jealous over what they have, over what's happened? Do you secretly say, why them? Why not me? Here's why I ask those questions. Because jealousy and pride and arrogance, they are closely connected to each other. They are like the opposite side of the same coin. So if you find yourself being jealous in one moment, we have to be careful because in the next moment, we can find ourselves being proud and arrogant, even though we may not be promoting that anywhere, but just in our hearts, we've got to be careful with that. Here's how I struggle with this in my own life. I've got to be careful on social media and um, if you were with us last week or even in the past two months, you've heard me kind of harp on social media. So if I've like, offended any social media people out here, please forgive me. Like, I'm not anti-social media. I think we need to be careful with our involvement in that. I think we need to represent Christ well to the world as we use that. I think we just have to be careful in how we do it. Um, but here's, for me, here's one of my struggles with social media. I go on to social media and I watch people posting all these amazing things that happen in their world these amazing vacations, these amazing things that are going on. And there are moments that instead of me getting super excited for them, there are moments that I go, why, why not me? Why did that happen for them? Uh, there are moments I get a little jealous. I know I shouldn't. Like, I, I know that that's wrong. I know I shouldn't, but I heard a pastor say this one time. He said something along these lines, that when it comes to social media, it's one of the things that's creating all kinds of insecurity in us because what we do is we compare other people's highlight reel with our deleted scenes. So I watched somebody eating a, a, a beautiful steak out at this really nice restaurant, and I'm flipping through my phone while I'm eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I'm going... Well, my life sucks. And I can find myself getting jealous instead of super happy for other people. So in your world, are you jealous over something? 
Are you jealous over somebody else at work? Are you jealous over somebody at school? Are you jealous at somebody in your own family? Like has something really great happened for them and, and have you found yourself just like secretly being jealous? On the outside going like, hey, good for you. And inside you're going, man, that stinks. Why not me? So if that's happening in your world, we have to be careful because jealousy, pride, and arrogance, they're tied together. And in one moment we can be jealous, the next moment we can be proud and we can be arrogant if we aren't careful. So we have to be super careful about those things. Paul says this next. He says, Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Now, Paul's talking about a a critical thing for all of us to know. So as we're climbing the ladder of financial success in life, what can happen is we can shift our trust from God onto money. And it's a subtle shift, but it can certainly happen. The more we accumulate, the more stuff we have, the more talent that we have, more position that we have, more power we get, we can start trusting in that stuff and not so much in God. And again, this can be a super subtle thing. So here's another example from from my life. This is like confessions of a pastor day. Um, So here's another example. So recently, God blessed our family with the ability to get another car. So we have another car now. And um, I was able to sell one of my older cars. And I was able to use that to fix up two of my other cars. So let me just pause for a minute and acknowledge I'm talking about rich people problems, okay? So I'm talking about three cars, all right? That's a rich person's problem. So I was able to, to sell this older car, use the money to fix up two other cars and got tires on them and some things that were, were um, much needed. And then I had a little bit of money left over. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to save that and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that money and I'm going to get a much needed paint job on one of my cars. One of my cars, the paint's fading real bad. It looks terrible. And uh, it's irritating to drive every time I look at it. I'm like, oh my goodness, um, I hate this. So I had this little bit of money saved up for that. Now, my oldest daughters, I have a 21-year-old and 18-year-old, they're up in school in upstate New York, and um, before we took them up at the beginning of September, I was working all summer long on getting their car ready. So they have a car that they share. It's a little bit older car, um, but I was getting it ready, and and, uh, so I had spent like all summer long kind of chipping away at each of the things that need to be done on it. And it was a you know, nice little investment in that. Um, but we had gotten it ready. And the last thing to be done was to do an alignment because I had put two new tires on the front. So I went in to get this alignment, 50 bucks, thought we were done. We're leaving on Saturday. This is Thursday. And Thursday, the mechanic says, uh, bad news. In order for this alignment to hold, you need about $800 worth of work to the front of your car. So uh, upper ball joints, lower ball, ball joints, tie-in rods, if you know what that means. If you don't, it's just a lot of money in the front of the car. So I had one of those oh-no moments. And I had one of those really irritated moments. So the work needed to be done, um, but I was so irritated. Guess how much money that I had set aside to get the paint job done? $800, $800 exactly. And so God and I had this conversation. God, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this to happen? This is so irritating. Like every time I get a little money saved up towards this thing, something comes along and I've got to use it for that. Like I am really irritated right now. And he whispered back, is your trust in me 
or the money that you had plans for? Is your trust in the money or the one who gave you the money? And my honest answer was, God, my trust has been in that little money. My trust has been in in $800. Like I thought $800 was gonna just be this fantastic thing for this next thing that I wanted to do. And honest, my trust really hasn't been in you in that moment. Listen to what um, Solomon, uh, a writer of Proverbs, the richest guy who's ever lived, listen to what he said. Proverbs 18, 11, he said, the rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. And isn't that how most of us feel about money? Like it's this wall of safety. If we get enough, we'll be able to insulate ourselves from the world. And we'll be able to protect ourselves from all these things that could possibly happen wrong in our lives. And in the process of pursuing safety, security, pleasure, our trust can shift from God onto money. And it can happen in subtle ways, like it happened for me that in that moment, like, God, I, like, I had these plans. God, I'm trusting in this little bit of money. I'm not trusting in you, the provider. I'm just trusting in the provision that you've given me. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24. He said, no one can serve two masters for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I've always thought that is a strange comparison. And like, I don't know why Jesus didn't ask me like what he should say in that moment, because here's what I think Jesus should have said. I think Jesus should have said, we can't serve both God and Satan. Like that seems like it would be a, a better comparison. But Jesus said, you can't serve both God and money. Why did he say that? And here's the reason. Jesus knew, Jesus knows that the greatest competitor in our relationship with God is our relationship with money and stuff. I mean, you think about it. Most of us don't battle with whether we should serve God or serve Satan, right? You're making me a little nervous. <laughs> Appropriate answers, yes, from all of us. Like, we get that. Like, hey, should I serve God or should I serve Satan? I don't know. I'm so confused. Like, no, we get that. We understand. Like, hey, I should serve God. But then the enemy comes along and he uses this dangly little shiny thing to get our attention off of our trust and hope in God. And he uses this thing called money and what money can do, what money can provide and, and the security. Look at the security that money can give you. Look, $800, like you could get your car painted. Like, wow, isn't that fantastic? We, we get this, this, this temptational pull away from God and there's this subtle shift from him for us to start trusting in money. So Paul says, don't trust in money because it's so unreliable. Uh, there's a, a, either a psalm or a proverb that says, it just flies away sometimes. Like, don't you understand that? Like, we all understand that. Like, have you seen your money fly away? Like, I've seen it. Like, what? It just flew away. Where did that go? It just flies away. So don't trust in our money because it's so unreliable. Your trust should be in God. Then watch this, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So why should we trust in God? Because he richly gives to us. And how many of our needs does he meet? All of our needs. Now, that doesn't exactly mean he will meet all of our wants. There's a difference between want 
and need. And God says, I will richly give you all that you need. And what's the last part of the verse say? It says, for your enjoyment. God gives us stuff for our enjoyment. God's not bothered when we have stuff. He's not bothered by that. Here's what he wants. He wants to know that our stuff doesn't have us. Do we own our stuff or does our stuff own us? That's the big question that God asks us on a regular basis. And I think that's the heartbeat of this verse here. So in closing, I've got a few reflective questions I want you to process through. So I'm just gonna ask these questions. They're gonna come up on the screen. I want you to just, just process for you in your life, in your situation, where you are right now. How would you honestly answer these things? So number one, have you grown prideful or arrogant about what you have? Maybe hard to tell. At first you might say, no, I don't think so. Then how would you answer question number two? Are you jealous about something you don't have. Does somebody have something and you wish you had it and you find yourself secretly jealous about that? Is your trust in the money that you have, the money that you want to have, or in God? Has your trust in God subtly shifted to stuff? You find yourself trusting in stuff a little bit more lately than God? How would you answer that? Do you own your stuff or does your stuff own you? Do you see your current possessions as God's generous gift to you or are you more focused on what you don't have? Are you enjoying the stuff that you have? Or have you found that you don't enjoy it because you spend so much time wishing you had more stuff or more money? So what I want you to do is I, I want you to just process those questions a little bit more. Talk to God about that. Our worship team is gonna come out there and close us in a song about trust. And I, I hope that you'll have an honest conversation about God and where you are on this issue of trusting in God or, or trusting in money. And I hope that this will be the beginning of a conversation that happens all week long for you between you and God and where our trust should be when it comes to the battle between God and stuff. So let's pray together. God, you know us so well, and God, you made us, um, so that means you know our hearts, and you know the great battle that happens inside of all of us, and there's this huge battle between you and our, our trust in you and our trust in money and our trust in stuff, and Lord, there's this, this huge tension that happens in us where there are moments that we can find ourselves trusting in the provision that you've given us more than we trust in you. And Lord, we know that's a wrong thing. We acknowledge that. But Lord, there's, there's moments it's, it's hard to even see in our own lives. So Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to whether that's happening in us. And if it is, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us. Lord, I pray that we would make some, some deep decisions about putting our faith and trust in you more than anything else. 
Lord, you are our generous provider, and you richly give to us, and you meet all of our needs. So, Lord, I pray that we would be so incredibly content with that and find amazing joy in what you have given us. Lord, we don't want our stuff to own us. We want to own our stuff. And we ultimately want you to know that you are the owner of everything, including us and our hearts. So God, teach us how to trust you when it comes to money. In Jesus' name, amen.